For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hey up and welcome to another belting episode of For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast which eyes up the flock to see if the black sheep really does need putting out to pasture. I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. How are you boys? <laughs> Whereabouts in England are we here, Rob? <laughs> I've lost it halfway through, I've no idea. Yeah. Where we're <laughs> I, th- I thought we started Yorkshire, then we drifted over to Paddy McGuinness for a while. <laughs> no lucky, no lighty. <laughs> Pretty much the same, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> are you okay, fellas? Yeah, I'm really good. <laughs> oh, I really good. Yeah. Oh, great. How are you, Rob? Yeah, fine, thanks, mate. Absolutely fine. This isn't a good accent to carry on, is it? It's not working <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, yeah, really good. Thank you very much. Uh, what have you? Well, how's lockdown treating you? And what have you been watching? Uh, lockdown is about as shit as it's been for the last <laughs> six or seven weeks. <laughs> you know, I feel, I'm reminded of that song by Morrissey. Every day feels like Sunday. I sing that a lot walking around. The <laughs> My wife's going to leave me very soon. And on the uh, on the film front, anything good? Oh yeah, I've been watching loads actually. I saw the Sting for the first time this week. You know the Paul Newman, uh, Robert Redford film from the seventies. It's very old fashioned, but very enjoyable. I was watching it, and it was lovely. Just cool guys being cool, basically. It's hard to believe it came out the same year as The Exorcist, though. And, in fact, beat it to best picture because the filmmaking just feels like it's from they're from two separate eras, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. And then there was this uh, other movie that I sort of discovered that I'd never heard of. It was this Steven Soderbergh film called The Limey. Have you guys heard of this? Yes, I have heard of it. Obviously never seen it, but yes. Yeah, um, so Steven Soderbergh made this movie in between Out of Sight and then the double whammy of Erin Brockovich and Traffic. He must have had like a spare three weeks or something. (laughs) It's this weird experimental dreamlike revenge movie with Terrence Stamp and he's just like yeah I'll just knock this out and then I'll go on and win a load of Oscars next year it's it's a really (laughs) interesting film very different take on the revenge genre I don't know it it doesn't scratch the same itch as say a Van Damme or a Seagal but it was a very interesting film and it's only like 88 minutes long ah so you see that's it not much life investment no no not at all no that's excellent. I can't hear the name Soderbergh without thinking of that impression of, uh, you know, of McConaughey, like Mr. Soderbergh. <laughs> <laughs> Time for me to take my shirt off. <laughs> have they even worked together? Or was that just at a party? I'm sure they have. Yeah. Is it time, Mr. Soderbergh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably get more chicks if we take our shirts off. <laughs> yeah, well... If you're Matthew McConaughey, I'd imagine you yeah, <laughs> probably would. <laughs> so what about you, man? Have you, uh, you, well, how's lockdown and how is your movie watching career? Yeah, uh, lockdowns are a career. <laughs> like, a, <laughs> like I'm in the twilight years of my uh, <laughs> Premier League movie watching. <laughs> no, yeah, lockdown's going all right. Um, it's just, you know, same as last week, really. Just doing the same old stuff. Film-wise, I've had a bit of a of a Western kick um, Ooh, past week. So I'd, I'd caught up with a couple which I'd never seen before and been on the list for ages. Another Robert Redford, Paul Newman film I watched, actually. So I watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Ooh. which oh, I'd wow. never seen before. 
Same director as The Sting, actually. Is it? Well, yeah. 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 Just, oh. Robert Redford is just a charm factor. Well, oh, he the, is, yeah. that film is him and Paul Newman just, oh, they're so charming. The pair of them. Paul Newman's eyes are the most beautiful things I've ever seen. He's like, <laughs> he's up there with Jesus Navas, who used to play for Man City. Like, <laughs> oh, beauty. He had, yeah, best eyes of the Premier League without without question in world football. <laughs> Worst crossing, best eyes. Well, yeah, it was was good. It was. was, I think it's a bit, um, you know, completely different type of movie what you get nowadays. But uh, no, it was good. There was a lot to like about it. Um, And the other one which I'd I'd never seen and I've been meaning to watch for absolutely ages was uh, Unforgiven. Oh yeah, the, was it ninety two, ninety three? Oh, what movie! It's one of my favourites. Though it's unbelievable oh, that film. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, what a movie that is. Yeah. Clint Eastwood is just such a badass in it. But like, I see, I see quite a lot of conversation. A lot of people kind of hate on the Oscars nowadays and like yeah. best picture winners and stuff like that. And you see a lot of discussion on the topic of films that won a best picture Oscar but didn't deserve it. But yeah, how about a movie that very much deserved the Oscar it won? Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It it kind of swept the board as well, didn't it? it won a, Did yeah. a whole bunch. But yeah, I mean, that's that's not so much a movie as an experience, Unforgiven, isn't it? You know, like I mean, it's just the perfect meld of storytelling and it's, visual arts, and it's just incredible. There's so much going on in it in terms of like it's a sort of question mark over the whole western genre in itself like the old the old 60s and 70s westerns particularly the ones clint eastwood was in yeah it's a very personal sort of reflection on all that time of his career and also like the time they're portraying as well because it's because that's sort of at the back end of all the wild west era isn't it yeah yeah. forgiven and it's Mm. like they're sort of getting away from that rooting tooting gunslinger time it was and they're all very much the bad guys. I mean, they always were the bad guys, but it's not really glamorized in Unforgiven. No, it's no. Like, oh, yeah. You're no, that's really, right. Yeah, yeah. You're all like pieces of shit. <laughs> I really loved it. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was a really, oh. really great film. Yeah. I might really rewatch amazing. it myself this week, actually. No, yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, it's been a while for myself. I think um doesn't have a quick draw World Cup in it, though. So No, it doesn't. No. Um, it does have Gene Hackman, though. So Gene Hackman, isn't it? It does not, have Gene Hackman. Only, only half the ham sandwich uh, he's in in Quicker the Day. But he won an Oscar for this, didn't he? He won an Oscar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's good at because, again, he's like, you know, he does a couple of questionable things and, and he is the bad guy of the film, but he's not really that much of a bad guy in it. He's just like... No. He's just, just the, his the, son. the thing in the way of uh, Clint Eastwood. Like Clint Eastwood's just got this job to do. Yeah, absolutely loved it. It's amazing. So yeah, That's if sad. like me, you haven't seen this film, definitely give yeah. that a watch. Oh yeah, I love that when you find something that um, you know because uh, sometimes films like that make me nervous. You know, like knowing that I'm going to like it. I'll p- probably put it off as long as I can to savor knowing that you're going to like something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I can't think of anything. Oh no, I can. Um, Mission Impossible. What was the most recent one? Fallout. You see, I know I'm going to love that, but I'm nervous about it now. Have you not seen it yet? No, no. I know, I know, I'm going to enjoy it that much that like I'm almost nervous. I'd I'd rather watch Dross than (laughs) than commit to watching something I'd enjoy. Because you you know what you're going to get. You're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, that's that's it. See, this is therapy as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
No, uh, the only uh, thing I've managed to watch this week is Extra Action on uh, Netflix, or Extraction, as it you know <laughs> commonly goes by. But what a load of fun that was! I had an absolute blast with that. How violent is it? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Pretty heavy going. I've heard it's yeah, just a, a big action f- feast. Yeah, it's like um, a serious version of Commando. Really, like they take it super yeah. seriously, but the body count is very similar. It is. It is. Tell you someone who I was so impressed with in this film, though, was um, Randeep Huda, who played the, sort of like the adversary character of Saju Rav. Um, and it took me a while to find him actually because he obviously bulked up massively for this role. Yeah. Um, all the pictures I could see of him on IMDb, he was a lot sort of more slender. And he's like stacked out for this. Oh, um, but he is so, so good in it as well. And he's he's my, my breakout star from this film, actually, I think. Apart, and, and the young man as well. The young man, um, uh, because without giving too much away, um, it centers around. Um, a hostage well yeah there's a hostage situation it's and, isn't it? yeah. yeah it's a kidnap kidnapping situation uh with tyler rake yeah, <laughs> chris, chris hemsworth uh, right. <laughs> and it's uh rude crash jazwal uh is the young man and he's gonna break out and be a big star so yeah fantastic stuff this film lovely i knew you'd like it yeah you were right with the shout mate thank you <laughs> I should fill the triple crown and watch it. Then I need to. I need to watch it. I haven't the, the FYR See, triple crown. I love that. We, have we got an FYR triple crown? Yeah, I don't know. I've just made it up. We have now. Honestly, we got a hall of fame. We got a triple okay. crown. I nearly said we got a hall of fame and a podcast. Yeah, of course we got a podcast. <laughs> we know about those things. Um, right. So tonight's film. Simon, it's your pick, isn't it, mate? It is, it is. Yeah, but while watching it, I know that James, a question popped into your cheeky little mind. Would you like to share it with us? Yeah, I'm not sure I like the cheeky little mind bit. But... <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so it was inspired by watching this film and the fact that it's never had a sequel. And then Sly Stallone, the main man himself, has been talking up the possibility of a Demolition Man uh, part two, as he do with, does with a lot of his films that haven't had sequels. And it just got me thinking, what movies do you think deserve or you wish had sequels? Ooh. Go through the back catalogue of all the films I've picked on this podcast. <laughs> Seriously, I've got written down here Tron Dread, John Carter, Constantine, and Punisher as Tom Jane. Yeah. I want more of all of that. Yeah, they're the, the ones yeah, ones we've covered. Yeah, same John Carter Dread, definitely. And Big Trouble in Little China for me. Yeah, 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 of course. I want to see more like um Jack Burton adventures where he's just making an absolute arse of himself. Yeah. <laughs> like in, yeah. Just a fish out of water in like another part of, you know, a diff, you know, different mythology and stuff like that i'd i'd love to see more jack burton I, I find this quite a dangerous territory actually because i think some of the films that we might talk about here are loved so much and you want a sequel so much because there isn't one yeah um yeah i mean because I, I could throw true lies into this mm-hmm. but i think the love for it stems from the fact it wasn't sort of like sequel to pieces if you know what yeah. i mean because yeah. we still be, could be getting like, I mean, we could be on True Lies 15 right now. Yeah, and th- that'd be too many. But the fact is, you could do that now with that cast still with older Arnie and older Jamie Lee and even Elijah Dushku as well. It went on to be Faith in, yeah, yeah. Faith in Buffy and like, was, you know, yeah, he's yeah. got a pedigree as a action TV star as well. So you could bring all those, all those people back and, and do that movie. 
I'm sure Arnold would enjoy that, but I think James Cameron's a bit busy at the moment. Mm. <laughs> With his Avatar sequels, what are taking well, 20 it's... years to make? <laughs> yeah, busy for two decades so far. Yeah. You know, marvellous. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sai, have you got a few on the tip of your tongue? Yeah, I think um, one's what we haven't covered, which we potentially could actually. Um, Rob, your new favourite director, <laughs> Guy Ritchie's uh, The Man From Uncle, was Ooh. brilliant and... Uh, I don't think it did too well, so I don't think a sequel's... I think it's been sort of whispered about. I think mm. people kind of want it, but I don't think it's... like It didn't do as well as at the box office as they hoped, so so I don't think they want to take a punt on a sequel just yet. Um, if sort of Guy Ritchie's stock rises a bit, they might sort of get one out. But I'd rather see that than King Arthur sequels, I reckon. Yeah, well, they're not going to happen, so rest assured. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Notice I didn't say that in our FYR back catalogue of sequel potential. <laughs> yeah, so that that's probably the other one. Like that's the the one we've sort of not covered. Now you've said that, Rob, about like the reason we like them so much because it didn't get the t- sequel treatment. But I'd sort of wrote, I'd wrote down Galaxy Quest. I'd love to oh, see. Yes, that would have been amazing. Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Absolutely. Just yeah, more of Tim Allen. And- yeah, I've thought about that about. You know, the reason we love them is because they're perfect all in one go, and that's right. But what about movies that were good that left you unsatisfied at the end? So when I think about it in the, in those terms, I can think of um, World War Z. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Brad Pitt one, you know, because it was left still really, really open, wasn't it? Like yeah, it they'd really solved was. like a small element of it. They yeah. got them safe for a little bit, but it was still boom wide open in the middle of this absolutely atrocious world situation and i'd love that story they've been trying to get that sequel off the ground for so long haven't they like he brought david fincher in didn't he and then it's and he's ended up walking away from it just creative differences or budgetary things or what have you yeah it just feels like the time's maybe passed now for that it seems like if you don't do it within the first five years of that movie being hot you then have to wait 20 years for the (laughs) to bring the sequel back on an anniversary (laughs) <laughs> which is what's going the way with Avatar. Yeah, I mean, I, I've actually got um, a guy I want. I would like to talk about when we get into the film, who did a role in, I think, 1990, and he reprised it for the sequel in 2016. But I'm yeah. going to save that for the actual <laughs> movie <laughs> chit-chat. Yeah. Um, aside from that, I'm going to say Gremlins 2. I'd have loved more Gremlins. Um, not CGI garbage, Quentin Tarantino, Winkle Picker in the old nest. And <laughs> um, more along the lines of, I want, you know, like the the puppets and humour and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I'd love to have seen more gremlins. You can't have a CGI gremlin, can't you? Because you're not going to get that, like, disgusting sheen on the, like, <laughs> no. on the skin, are you? You're, not, <laughs> yes, you're just not no. going to get that. No, no, no. The slimy that, look, sheen. Again, that this is why puppets are better than CG, because... You know, and you can have that person just off camera going like, with a little watering spray mist. (laughs) You know, love it. I also think, um, if I can throw this in there, an E.T. sequel might have been interesting, but there was a sequel book and it was absolute not very great. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they they tried, didn't they? Again, they tried with E.T. to get a sequel off the ground and they just couldn't make it work. They were going to go back to his home planet, I think. Have you ever been to... Universal Studios in Florida. Yeah, that is what the yeah. ride is centered around. You get on the bikes and go to yeah, yeah. ET's home planet, which I don't think that rides there anymore because kids don't know what ET is anymore. Bloody generation. So so magical. That ride. <laughs> I love how we're growing old on this podcast. No, yeah, we're all <laughs> um, 
James, what about you, mate? Oh, yeah, I had some... Uh, so we kind of touched on one last week when we were talking about, you know, our favourite comedies from the noughties. I'd have loved to have seen a Team America sequel, but <laughs> the guys who made it, just, that wasn't to do with any financials. They just refused to ever do that again because <laughs> it was too hard. <laughs> um, I was really disappointed that uh, David Fincher and the Dragon Tattoo never got yes, that's a, a, a second instalment. Yes. Again, that comes down to Fincher wanting loads and loads of money to make it, and it didn't. It did fine at the box office, but not enough for the budget that he was asking for for the second and third instalment. Wasn't there? Was it? Sorry, just while you're on Dragon Tattoo, wasn't there something uh, floating around the internet a couple of weeks ago about um, Rooney Mara's emails? She keeps emailing the producers saying, "Like, are we going to do a sequel?" To- yeah to this because I really loved it can we can we please do it again oh, oh, she's just not, I hope she doesn't find out that they've already made one with Claire Foy which did no business at all last year based on one of the non-Stig Larson ones yeah I'm not sure if it was like a recent email or just unearthed from yeah. like a I'd leak or something she's still but... going yeah come on I know they've done that other one and it did no business so there's no <laughs> appetite for it whatsoever but can we please do a follow up to my one it's like it's, it's <laughs> great I, I think they're better than the Swedish ones as well that one I is agree. better than the Swedish ones but it's just the production values and outside of Numi Rapace in the, in the originals the acting across the board is just so much better because they're proper big time yeah. proper established actors aren't they and obviously got david fincher directing yeah. this one so uh, th- that movie looks incredible oh it's so good and then the trent Reznor score as well is just yeah, yeah. Chain, like it always is outrageous in it yeah yeah and then just a random one that, that was never going to happen but i always thought would be quite fun and this one's granted it's more of a spin-off than a sequel uh, my favourite character from Pulp Fiction is Jules Winfield, and I always wanted a movie about oh, Jules yes. after he's left the life of a gangster, <laughs> as he says, just just walking the earth, getting in adventures like Kane from Kung Fu. Because <laughs> 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 I don't think his vow of non-violence would have lasted all that long to be put. No, definitely <laughs> not. Camping full within ten days. <laughs> that's there. That's a great idea. Um, just to totally ambush you both. Um, is there any movie that was made and you spent a long time wishing they made a sequel and then they gave you one? Uh, Anchorman, and it was massively disappointing. Oh, no, you see, that's always the problem, isn't it? Yeah. That's always the problem. Comedy sequels are really tricky anyway, I think. Yeah. I I was going to mention um, Unbreakable because I absolutely love that to pieces. Yeah. And then um, it was the delivery that there was a sequel that blew my mind. You know, the little notes of the score at the end of Split? Yeah. You know, honestly, it made my heart wee itself. It was <laughs> the greatest thing. Um, so, yeah. And I still love the. I love Split and I love Glass as well. I really liked Glass. Oh, I really liked it. I don't know what it does on the old um, Rotten Tomatoes, but it we certainly could. It certainly qualifies. Does it qualify? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I was, I was gutted that that was actually spoiled for me. Like... Um, that reveal at the end of Split, um, yeah. similar to Sixth Sense, that got spoiled for me as well. Oh um, no! In the entire movie, but uh, yeah, I, I would. I wish I could have seen that without knowing about it, because that would have blown my mind. Mate, it's <laughs> just, all they did was it was as the camera panned down the bar towards yeah. Bruce Willis, and the music, the little tinkly piano from Unbreakable, and you're like, wait, I know that. Where do I know that? Oh! Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Bruce turned round and he was not phoning it in for once. He didn't even say yeah. anything, but he didn't phone it in. And um, yeah, it was, oh, it was tear jerking. It was amazing. Oh, lovely. Did, uh, did you think of one, James? 
No, I can't. To be honest with you, what I that I really wanted, that I waited forever for a sequel, and then they gave me one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Mad Max, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, I wanted the Mad Max sequel forever, and it took a new actor in 20 odd years <laughs> for, for a sequel to the third film to worth come out. Worth the wait though, isn't it? Yeah, it oh, was worth the wait. Whoosh. Oh. I watched The Road Warrior last night. That was, I'm going back through those, those movies. Oh, seriously? And, cool. The Road Warrior is so good in the sense that the last 15 minutes is just like a dry run, low budget version of Fury Road. So George Miller <laughs> just went, yeah, yeah. When he was pitching the new one, clearly. So we're going to have Tom Hardy. And you know the last 15 minutes of The Road Warrior? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we love it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Right, I'm going to do that for an hour. And then there's going to be a little bit of a of a break. Audience catch their breath. Right, and then what happens, George? Then they're going to turn around, go the other direction. I'm going to do exactly the same thing, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, uh, yeah, how that works when you put it like that and make <laughs> one of the most compulsive films going, I've no brilliant. idea. <laughs> Funny you should say that you're re-watching uh, George Miller classics. I'm also re-watching George Miller classics. Um, Babe and Babe 2, Pig in the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I'm not really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Marvellous, fellas. Um, As as usual, stellar discussion. We have mentioned it's your pick, Si, so what have you got for us? Yeah, um, so my film this week is um, follows a super hench and mostly naked police officer who doesn't play by the rules, and he's thawed out after 25 years in a cryogenic prison to pursue an old nemesis with frosted tips who is loose in a non-violent future society. In 2032 San Angeles, an old-fashioned criminal needs an old-fashioned cop. This is 1993's Demolition Man. At the end of a century, ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. It's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm going to love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Sam and Phoenix escaped from this cryo facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The conditions of your parole are full reinstatement into the SAPD and immediate assignment to the apprehension of Simon Phoenix. Two mortal enemies. Just dropped in to say hi! From another time. Pass is over, John! Time for something new and improved! Oh, hell. Will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes. Demolition Man. Simon, it's Demolition Man. It's your pick. What have you done this time? Oh. Sorry, that's very accusatory. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually me who's like, <laughs> that just aimed at. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> Why did you pick this, mate? Sorry. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, I, like honestly, uh, it was the the last time the question went out, and it was like, right, well, what film are we picking? Um, this was just the first film that jumped in my head. I have no idea why. Um, <laughs> and luckily it qualified. Um, no, uh, I can't believe this is from 93 because I swear I was older when I first watched this. And, um, I, At Nana's house. I, uh, probably. Um, <laughs> no, actually, this is, this is, does relate to my Nana. My, um, my Auntie Karen, um, who I'm sure she's popped up on this pod before and she does conform to the stereotype of a Karen. Um, she... <laughs> <laughs> she absolutely loves Wesley Snipes and she knew this guy who I think he worked at a video shop or something and he give her every single Wesley Snipes movie on VHS uh, as like a gift so she had these in a room like all these ones so it's like Money Train and uh, New Jack City and uh, Demolition Man was one of them obviously um, and Stallone's at that time, when you're a kid at this age, Stallone and Schwarzenegger are like the biggest stars. Yeah. So you just watch anything with with Stallone in and enjoy it. And I think Tango and Cash was before this, and I loved Tango and Cash as a kid. Like, you know, I love Big Trouble at China. Kurt Russell was in Tango and Cash with Stallone. And this was just one of those films I just loved and grew up loving and seen many times and loved. And then having thought, oh, maybe it'll go on the podcast and looking into it, it's like, holy shit, it does. It it, it qualifies. Brilliant. So, yeah, that's why cool. Demolition Man's... I just wanted an excuse to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, when you when you said that, when it was your... You know, when you picked this, it, uh, there was genuine glee in my mind. Oh, I know. So sure. excited. Uh, James, what about you? What's your relationship with Demolition Man? This was either a watch at one of your friends' houses before you're old enough to see it. Yes, definitely. Or it was either um, a hooky pirate video that my dad had got from some bloke down the pub or at work or something. <laughs> Either way, it was watched a, a lot. And it's the sort of film that when you're like 13, 14, it's like your favourite film of all time. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, 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 it's definitely got that. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've watched this more times. It, it was great. It was a real pleasure to watch it because you don't have to. I don't really have to make many notes when I'm watching yeah. this film because I know it so well. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. So, um, although I mean, I'd agree with you on the terms of the sentiment of that. There are a lot yeah. of films that we all hold dear and that you can feel that way about. Um, for me, though, this totally passed me by. So I only watched this, I think, in. 2013 i think something like that oh wow completely missed me yeah but loved it then um and obviously was excited to watch again so this is actually my only second only my second watch wow oh, wow oh yeah can't wait to hear what you think of it rob without without well, the glaze of nostalgia mm-hmm. so taking you around. that's interesting actually <laughs> yeah um but um so we know it qualifies james what about the the figures here Okay, so uh, the budget for this was around sixty million. It was quite difficult to try and there was lots of different estimates around like forty-five to seventy-seven, and then the consensus seems to be it was around sixty million, and it made one hundred and fifty-nine million worldwide. So it was a tidy hit, but it only made like sixty million in the US, which is strange, I think, for a mm, mm. for a Stallone action film at that time but you know profitable for sure awesome awesome so then i guess that means we need to look at the critical side of things simon well if if we're going on rotten tomatoes it kind of barely qualifies because it's on 59 percent critically (laughs) however metacritic it 
safely qualifies. It's got 34 out of 100 on Metacritic, so it's a big old fat red negative thumbs down affair. But the audience on Metacritic, it's a massive swing, 8.8 for the audience on um, on Metacritic. Um, It's only 66% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's not too different from the the critical reception. Looking at the reviews, it was like people didn't find it funny or very good as an action film and it was just sort of a bit drab <coughs> idiots <laughs> i tried to you because you know we like to go to mick lasalle don't we on on this <laughs> this part of the of the podcast and usually his reviews are always front and center on metacritic you'll find him quite easily on the front page he's down as a top critic couldn't find anything but i did a little I dug a little deeper, lads, because you know you deserve it. Do you know what I mean? We we knew everyone. We work hard all week, and we want to hear from Mick. We want to hear his historic. <laughs> <laughs> so I found this little. I couldn't get onto the article because it wasn't allowed in Britain. It's only allowed in America, which what? is fucking ridiculous. So I but I managed to get a little tidbit from it. He wrote an article recently about how Demolition Man somehow predicted the future. (laughs) And uh, yeah, this little tidbit says, um, set in the then hard-to-imagine future of 2032, Demolition Man starred Sly Stallone and Wesley Snipes and launched the career of the previously unknown Sandra Bullock. I love the film, Bullock in particular, and gave it the highest rating when it came out. So five stars, like click, (gasps) uh, but then proceeded not to think of it for a full 26 and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so a backhanded compliment, really, in the end from old, old Mick. I mean, that sounds like a little bit of love in hindsight from, uh, from Mick. Then. Yeah, but the in terms of the bad ones, there was a pretty funny one from... Um, it was on. It was from James Berardinelli on Real Reviews, and he says, yes, this film is worse than Cliffhanger, Stallone's last venture into chaos. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, and in terms of some, someone who is actually on the film, uh, Dennis Leary's in this film, and he did a retrospective on all his films. And uh, he simply called this movie a giant piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, uh, that, that, that. A man who is in, who has no right to be in this movie. Let's be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he was just rating his own performance, <laughs> and in that case, he's quite accurate. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a couple of good. Um, a, again, coming over to Britain, Empire gave it four out of five. Mm-hmm. Really liked it. And then also, I saw uh, Peter Hartlaub. He's a he's a film writer in, in the states, and he did a a top five list of so bad they're good Stallone movies. And this was number five on that list. Um, and he and he said about Demolition Man, um, Stallone's career was fading fast in the early 90s when he released the unholy trio of Rocky Five, Oscar and Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. <laughs> it's a rough run. It is a rough we, run. It's a rough run, Was it... True that he took that role because Arnie lied that he was going to take it, and Stallone took it thinking he was gonna he was gonna out Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger. But Schwarzenegger was like, "I was never going to do it. I just wanted to see." If you'd take it. Uh, uh, anyway, anyway, back to this. Uh, he said, um, "But he made a small comeback in '93 with this underappreciated gem, which had a funny script, some raucous action scenes, and a strong supporting cast." including Sandra Bullock and Wesley Snipes. Stallone's cop from the past played straight man to Bullock's futuristic law enforcer, and it was one of the few movies where his humour didn't seem strained. Nice. So, yeah, I think 
that's a sort of good example of it may have gone down well over time. Um, yes. Possibly. Um, but yeah. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Yeah, I get that sensation. It actually occupies... Um, well, I don't actually think it's aged well. Going off that, I think it might have aged a little well here. Yeah. Who um, who have we got behind the... Uh, oh, well, who have we got on directorial duties here? So it's this guy called Marco Brambilla, who I'd never heard of before. Yeah. I might have just... I've really anglicised his name there. Brambilla. 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 <laughs> yeah. uh, never heard of him before. Uh, this is his first film, possibly a commercial director before this. And his only other significant credit on his filmography is a film he did with Alicia Silverstone called Excess Baggage. Um, According to Wikipedia, uh, Marco uh, Brambia is an Italian-born Canadian director and video collage artist based in New York City, known for his elaborate recontextualizations of popular and found imagery, which Vanity Fair has called critiques and masterpieces of visual overload. So, wow. visual arts, visual arts guy. So he's an artist, and he he, he got a Stallone movie. Incredible. When, when I, in my notes, when it you know when when the credits popped up at the start, and it said directed by Marco Brambilla. I was like, who? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> who. Initially, yeah. When I posed the question, that was not sarcasm. That wasn't a lead-in. That was me yeah. asking you. What is happening here? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like a pseudonym for like Stallone has directed it himself, but he doesn't want. That oh to right, because yeah. you know he's a bit handy behind the camera. Is Sly, isn't mm. he? he knows what he's, he knows his way around a, an action sequence. Oh, absolutely, he does. Across the board, Sly's great. It's good writer as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot more multifaceted than people would give him credit for. Oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah, definitely. So diving into the movie immediately. 96 LA is in a bad way. Yes. <laughs> it's just on fire, basically, isn't it? <laughs> it's just a big pile of ash on fire. <laughs> it's burning. Yeah. It's like the riots of the early 90s never stopped, basically. Yeah. The world of yeah. filmmakers are, are suggesting. Well, uh, this is what I'm, I'm, yeah, this is what I'd like to ask because in 93, this film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, year after the riots. The LA yeah. Riots. So, do you think this is what they possibly imagine the LA, LA riots to, to carry on to end up like? I think that's sort of what they're going for. Although that prologue at the start, which is set in the present day or three years in the future, as it would have been when the film was made, that wasn't actually included in the original draft. In the original draft, it started in the future and there was no prologue to how John Spartan and Simon Phoenix ended up Mm. in there in terms of their battle. That was added by an additional writer whose name escapes me at the moment who came on and added that as a bit of a prologue, a pre-credit sequence, if you will. Right, right. Oh, interesting, interesting. It'd be hard to believe that the writers didn't take some inspiration from from the LA rights because it just looks like a war zone. Well, oh, that's it. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Totally. yeah. The aesthetic's all there and it's all the same, isn't it? And when you, you see looting and you see these images here, like fire in the streets, etc., and you know it is of that same era, you can't help but put two and two together. It just doesn't work like that. We're in a helicopter um, with uh, Stallone. And can I just bring in one of my favourite actors, Grandel Bush? Is he Little Johnson? He is, yes. Die Hard. Little Johnson. um, Yeah. (laughs) What a legend Grandel Bush is. I absolutely love him. Um, He was in Licence to Kill as Hawkins, which is uh, the last great Bond film, by the way. Uh, no, sorry, after Gold. You know, no, 
it's better than Goldeneye, but it's, you know, I'm speaking for myself, not you guys here. <laughs> Those were the two last great Bond films. Uh, Lethal Weapon 2, he was Jerry Collins in that. And, you know, we were talking earlier about um, an actor who has done a role a long time ago, then reprised it. Um, he was Sergeant Atkins in The Exorcist 3 in 1990. Then he was Sergeant Atkins again in The Exorcist 3 Legion in 2016. So I now Big have to watch both of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, is that the Paul Schrader one that got put into turnaround? There was an exorcist. I think it might be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, like the, he made the an entire film and they, went, and they went, no. This was like in like the two, in the mid-2000s at some point. And then Rennie Harlan came in and directed another movie. <laughs> and that was terrible as well. So they ended up with <laughs> two two-star movies instead of just one. <laughs> Shared the stars out like a yeah. budget. We've got a budget of stars here. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, they know Simon Phoenix is in a giant factory. Yeah. Uh, so Sly obviously does the ordinary thing of jumping out of a helicopter. While, while, while screaming his name. <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> <laughs> um, he lands quite sharp. I mean, that's a back snapper. I mean, in any other real world, I mean, it's just you dangling a dead, floppy, ragdolled John Spartan at the end of a fishing line over a factory. He goes out of that helicopter like it's a high dive. He doesn't do it like a like a bungee jump or anything like that, does he? He just jumps no, feet just... first, fifty feet from the, <laughs> from the chopper. I think it's higher. It just looks like eight Phoenix. You know, there's no subtlety to this approach. You know, you want to go in there quiet, like. Hang on, is John Spartan on this mission? Oh, God's <laughs> sake. He's already, got, he's already out. He's already got his screamed. <laughs> we then revealed, um, Wesley Snipes has revealed uh, Simon Phoenix, who's, it's quite quickly laid out that he's the arch nemesis of John Spartan, isn't yeah. it? Like yes. We get this from the helicopter. and um, Rob, I, I wanted to come to you on this, because you get from this reveal, I guess you got it from Stallone as well, the uh, distinct wardrobe choices of what this film is gonna <laughs> is gonna part for us. I, just, I mean, Wes- Wesley looks amazing in his Beetlejuice pants, <laughs> leather jacket with like a kind of I don't know, bright yellow sort of rising sun motif on the back. And those blonde frosted tips. Yeah. It is a heck of a look. Oh, well, he was the inspiration for Dennis Rodman, wasn't he? Like, that's well documented. Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that he hated the look. He hated the blonde dye job and everything and shaved his head immediately after the film had finished. But then obviously when the movie came out, Dennis Rodman started adopting that for his when he was playing for the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Wardrobe-wise, this movie is on point. Oh, and brilliant. It's, but it's making Very bold good. choices too with it. Yeah, I mean, you can't move for jodhpurs in this future that we're going into. <laughs> Everyone's oh, got them on. Kimonos. <laughs> yeah. Jodhpurs and kimonos. Bob Ringwood did the costume design. Uh, for Who did, film. sorry? Bob Ringwood, he's called. Excellent. What a job old, old, old Robert Ringwood did. Uh, he did an amazing job. Just, just brilliant. Isn't um, isn't Jodhpurs and Kimonos T-Pain's uh, lost album? I mean, it is a great... Uh, it's, it's either a brilliant band name, but certainly an album title somewhere. It is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, just thinking of that gorgeous auto-tune voice saying those words. Um, 
I think like as soon as they meet, they're a really good physically a really great adversary to yes. each other. You know, they, are, yeah, they yeah. physically match each other. They're big fellas, and they look strong against each other. So when they're having a ruckus. It feels like sparks fly. Yeah. yeah, and you genuinely don't know who will win because they're so physically well matched. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Stallone, Stallone's like a good brawler, isn't he? And yeah. um, Wesley Snipes is was actually a black belt, wasn't he? So yeah, he, you know he, he's got he's got the skills. It's Rocky versus a black belt. Yeah, yeah, it's a brilliant pair up. Uh, but do you know who the original choices were for this, Rob? <laughs> I do. <laughs> do you want to tell us? We know how excited you must be. <laughs> Just thinking about the fantasy world where this alternate universe happened, you know, like of it was the original first choices were Jean Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal as the two roles. Seagal was supposed to be the goodie, Van Damme the baddie. Van Damme asked whether he said he refuses to be the baddie. Um, so they just said, "Well, both of you can jog on." Yeah, yeah. But there is a world out there where. Steven Seagal, because Steven Seagal uh, was going to be John Spartan. (laughs) Is that why, do you reckon the beret was like the, the the beret was the the, the hangover from Seagal? This is it. The lovely (laughs) Seagal beret that might or might not be police issue because no one else is wearing it. Optional beret. It's like, you know, when you go to a new school and they they send you the uniform and they go like, would you like, you know, an optional like gym bag, embroidered gym bag, you know, (laughs) when you join the police, would you like a monogrammed beret? (laughs) Yes, please. Immediate tick. (laughs) Again, <laughs> just so much value just out of the wardrobe choices. Yeah, but yeah, so their dust off. Their um, it, it's sort of revealed that there's a bunch of hostages. John Spartan's got this moniker of the demolition man is because he he goes into these situations and just doesn't give a shit about where he is. Everything just blows up around him, and you know, he, as long as he saves saves the people, and he's you know, he doesn't care about buildings or whatever, and. Phoenix tricks him, doesn't he, and says like, "Oh, the hostages aren't here, so you can do what you want." And then they have the big dust up, and it caught this big dust up culminates in I thought was really great model work, but holy shit, what like what as as explosions go in action movies, this has got to be up there, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And it's a real explosion. It was real explosion, and they just blew it up. Yeah, like for real. To shit, it's fucking humongous that explosion. Five minutes of the movie? You've shot your ball too soon, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they do a competition to see, you know, to find the person to press the big button as well? Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the place was being condemned anyway, so they just blew it up. <laughs> it's outrageous. What's more outrageous is the fact that they both survive it. <laughs> like with nary a scratch, just wandering through like, hey, I got him, got him. Weren't they jumping out of a second floor window? <laughs> oh, just, <laughs> it's absolutely fucking. It's so good. So yeah, when, when all that does settle, then, then, then somehow they're not dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Phoenix reveals that the hostages were in fact inside. So both Spartan and Phoenix are, are carted off to uh, a cryo prison mm-hmm. um, for rehabilitation. Oh, yes. It's a good intro, isn't it? It Bloody is. It's really, really good. What a great combo. intro. Really, really good. But this got me thinking about the the hook of the film because, you know, and again, this is usually the point where we say to people, if you've not watched it yet, go away, watch it. You'll actually really enjoy it. Or, well, you yep. know, at the end of the podcast, we'll be the judge of that. But come back for the discussion. But, the end, you know, the, the central hook here is absolutely 
brilliant. Uh, you've got dangerous criminal gets caught. The cop chasing him gets caught uh, doing something he shouldn't, although it's not really his fault. Both get sentenced to kind of his fault. prison. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of his fault. Both get sentenced to you know generations in cryo yeah. prison. But the prisoner gets out. There's only one man who can bring him to justice. Yep. It's the you got to throw him out and bring him back. As an elevator pitch, that's a really, really good one. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's such it a is. good concept. Yeah, It is such a great concept. It's probably a good point to shout out. I'm sure you guys read it as well, that there was a, there was a bit of controversy around the film yeah, yeah. in that a Hungarian sci-fi writer yep. um, <laughs> called Istvan Nemer said it just completely ripped off one of his novels. Yeah. Oh, not called Holtak. Holtak. I don't know. I don't know Hungarian. Holtak Harko, which translates "Fight of the Dead," um, from nineteen eighty six, and it was. It's basically like the same. And um, <laughs> I think it it was it was put in front of people to make a judge whether it was plagiarism, and the committee proved that it was seventy five percent identical to this book, uh, this movie. But he didn't sue because he just didn't have the money and he just sort of oh, left it. Yeah. Um and it was Dude, that's apparently unsavory, part, isn't it, really? Yeah, part of a yeah. part of a bigger sort of um conspiracy that the Soviet Union collapse and the fall of the Iron Curtain, um, that a lot of books and fiction was cheaply sold off to the States and put into movies. Yeah. Um oh. and this is one of the one of those films. Which that's fascinating. I know, I never knew that. It's a good. It's a really. I mean, it's it sucks for old Isfan, bless him, who wrote yeah. this amazing concept, and it's just got totally ripped off, and mm. I suspect bastardized as well, really, for an American yeah. market. It's probably he probably didn't envision it as this, to be honest. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I did read that he he was happy they chose Sylvester Sloan and Wesley Snipes in the lead roles, as he also would have had that they were his first. Pick oh, also. brilliant! No money, happy with the casting. So you know, dreams are roundabout, isn't it really? <laughs> He didn't say that. I'm obviously making that up. Well, wait. Oh, he's you not... <laughs> He didn't say that, Rob. Sorry, I, I was trying to. He didn't say what? Me. That he was happy? No, the casting. he didn't say that. No, he didn't. So, all that bit about Sly and him being happy with. No, no that's not true. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> why? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> is Rob from future Los Angeles? Because he's <laughs> yeah. Although he did get me on that. <laughs> so hurt by this deception. I know, I know. Like, see, I was like, oh, so bless him. He was he picked the oh. proto Dennis Rodman for his, for his book. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not just any you know small number of hostages in there. There's twenty to thirty of them. Yeah. Is what because a guy runs on, doesn't he, and says like. Hey, Chief, there's 20 to 30 bodies down here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this is where the beret is really in, in force here. And then Nudie Bear Stallone, yep, sentenced to 40 years in forty years in the deep freeze. Um, and it's like all about this blue drop, isn't it, that goes into a tank of water. Yeah. And goes... And then you've got model Stallone, like a, you know, like a, I don't know what kind of model yeah. he's made of. Slightly different facial expression to the Stallone we just saw a moment ago. A very naked Stallone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of naked butts in this movie. Yeah, yeah. you see his butt a lot. Um, and yeah, and then we 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 go forward and we're introduced to Sandy B. 
Yes. Yeah, after a really it. saucy open, like all the opening credits, where it's just really slow shots across a naked Sylvester Stallone frozen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very gratuitous. There's a lot of yeah. awesome uh, <laughs> when all the names pop up. He works out. He wants the audience ass. to know how hard he's worked to get into shape, <laughs> but he's probably a model anyway. So he's proper. I mean, yeah, he's, he's very hench in this movie, as is the model that was put in the deep freeze. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that you know he was um, he was you know had to sit in a cast for that mold to be taken to be put yeah, in yeah. there. <laughs> like, just the cast of him absolutely nude and rippling in a really uncomfortable position. We fast forward to twenty thirty six. Yes, is that right? Something like that. So sixteen yeah. years from now, <laughs> this is what we've got hey. to look forward to. But the, hey. what I, the, one of the big questions I have from this film, yeah. Is this the whole country or is it just this particular city? I've only I've only clocked this from watching this yeah. uh, rewatch now because I, I totally missed the thing before where it, it's revealed that a big earthquake happened, didn't it? In yeah, on the San Andreas, um, what's it called? Fault the, line. The fault line. Mm. Yeah, and there was a big earthquake and it's it's completely crippled LA and San Francisco, and I assume that's where the San is from. Yeah. So it's, is it San Francisco mm. and Los Angeles? Yeah, is it the rest of the country or is it just the this West Coast of America? Because <laughs> imagine yeah. what the rest of the country must think of this lot just living in this like cult-like state wearing their kimonos and their jodhpurs and only eating Taco <laughs> Bell and not being allowed to swear and all the music is own. It's incredible, like, but because we're sort, it just stays in that one city. You don't have to really consider these larger questions unless you're analyzing it for a film podcast uh in which case <laughs> i was like what's happening in new york is everywhere like this so anyway basically there it's a non-violent society and everything that's bad for you or any vulgarity has been absolutely taken out of society completely super boring but sandy b who's like this up-and-coming police officer who's very wide-eyed and enthusiastic and naive about the world but she's obsessed with the 90s isn't she? But a bit like mm. me, to be honest. <laughs> um, and she's, she just wants some action. For her, the action is the juice, to quote um, Tom Sizemore from Heat. <laughs> <laughs> they always say, like, they, they refer to it as the 20th, don't they? Like, because it's the, yeah. the, she's obsessed with the 20th century. But it's not. You're, you're obsessed with the years 1991 to 1992. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. Uh, can I can I suggest uh, possibly something quite bold? I think the film A View to a Kill, which is 40 years old this week, by the way, mm. I think that is a prequel to this. <laughs> yeah, it could be a prequel to this because Zorin's main goal was to blow the San Andreas Fault, oh, which right. would flood the valley and separate the landmass. So that uh, this uh, this could be that could be viewed as a prequel to Demolition Man. <laughs> it, well, yeah. Is there any evidence to suggest otherwise? That's what I'd Depends like. if they stole that idea from another. <laughs> <laughs> is there another Russian author? Is <laughs> uh, it, 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 I'm getting a lot of I get a lot of like Total Recall vibes at this point. Yeah, so, mm, it's got a very but, Verhoeven. So it's like Verhoeven light, isn't it? But I thought the yeah, satire is, actually yeah. hand, held up really well, to be honest, and I found it quite prescient in a lot of ways particularly how we're living at the oh, moment yeah. under lockdown conditions in that there's no physical touching no within, yeah. yeah even sexy time is social distanced as well in this yeah. society so we'll and they've got to no that. toilet paper 
Yeah. Uh, um, I think I think this is really like a bold take on the future. There are so many future imaginations that are, you know, everything's grim. There's been a huge commercial war and everything is mass advertised and the actual day-to-day life of the people on the ground is grim and horrible, much like, say, Dread, for example. Yeah. Um, Whereas this is like, it's actually a really unique take. Yeah, it is, yeah. But it's it's a utopia, but as most utopias, it's built on bullshit isn't it and uh, yeah. as we find out through and corruption as we find out later in the film <laughs> um so we see that there's no crime and then all of a sudden simon phoenix is randomly released <laughs> from prison <laughs> yeah but he's way more skilled than he was back in the day and he can yes. hack into things and it's not long before he's causing absolute mayhem and there's some nefarious some nefarious goings on shall we say, mm. um, in, in terms of his release and why he's so much more capable than he was back in the day. Mm. There is. Um, uh, these early scenes where he's going around, well, just duffing people up. And, <laughs> well, no, he's, he's murdering them, isn't he's he? He's murdering them. Murder, death kill. Murder, death kill, yeah. And, and he's, dressed like, he's dressed like a toddler as well. <laughs> <laughs> where did he get the dungarees from? Is that what he came in in? Well, how, how did he get these clothes? I mean, I love them, but I don't know where they're from. They're not the same as what he was wearing when he was arrested. Was it? <laughs> well, I've I've heard tell of a lot of um, deleted scenes. So, deleted scene. yeah. is this like one? What, like, no, which it is for the amount of deleted scenes you hear about. I mean, the movie's already one hour fifty four. Yeah. So you know, it's it's serious like runtime already. But um, yeah, you imagine like a scene where he he duffs up a construction worker who looks like a reverse Mario <laughs> and takes his takes his grit his grit. <laughs> Grits and do oh. what you say? Grits like his underwear. Hey, <laughs> didn't take a construction worker's underwear, uh, and he uses that um, that brilliant phone booth. And that whole scene is ace, where the yeah. the police come to the phone booth to do him in, and they're dead unsure about it, like because there's yeah. no violence, no crime. Like <laughs> we're underprepared for this kind of violence, and they're being coached by a computer, aren't they? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah it's so good this fit, but like I, I remember, I did remember laughing as much. Like I think the it's comedy really is, funny, pr- is really good in yeah. this. It's funny, yeah. <laughs> and I totally yeah. missed that as a kid because it's obviously, you know, yeah. I was just there for Wesley Stipes roundhouse kicking people in the face. <laughs> but I loved it. You know, he he says into his little handset the cop something like, you know, where uh, he refuses to do it. You know. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the response is something like, you know, like now repeat it to him but in a condescending tone. Or something <laughs> like that, you know, or in, with sarcasm. Yeah, because it's like, ask the maniac to lie down with his hands behind your back. And then he says it. And then Wesley Snipes is like, oh, I'm so scared. And then he goes, the maniac has responded with a scornful remark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good scene with that day player. He goes for it all the way. He does, doesn't he? And then obviously Snipes just does what Simon Phoenix does and just beats the crap out of these guys. And they're all down. looks like he's doing a great We've missed someone here. We, I, I was just going to say. Alumni. Well, we can come to him, can't we? Because basically, the police come to the back at headquarters. They're they're all scratching their heads, and uh, Bob Gunton, Warden Norton from the Shawshank Redemption, he's like, oh, he's like, this is way at, way above my pay grade. He's completely out of his depth. And basically, they come to the decision because one of Sly's old cronies, he's still working for the police, and he says. For an old-fashioned criminal, we need an old-fashioned cop. Bosh! Here we come. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, the, the you know the the Hollywood execs at that point are like, oh yeah, this yeah. is absolutely well, high like Thirty minutes into the film, so if it had the original opening without the prologue, you wouldn't have seen Stallone until like twenty-five <laughs> minutes into. The film. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We we are we are still missing someone though, aren't we? we are, oh, we will. So, so Stallone's thawed out. He he's taken to police headquarters. And he meets the supporting cast, so which is led by Sandra Bullock, who were, who replaced uh, Laurie Petty, who was massive in the early nineties. Yeah. Um, after creative differences, she come in, and uh, she's never looked back since, really, has she? Uh, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry, we talk about Laurie Petty. <laughs> no, Laurie Petty hasn't been as good for her. Free Willy was the <laughs> was, yeah came out the year later, and then it was all downhill after that. <laughs> Can we talk about Prince Habibu being in this film? Yes. Oh, Fortunately, not in brown face this time, which is a <laughs> Yes. Always a welcome respite when he's not doing that. We've not mentioned his name. It's Rob Schneider. Rob, right. Schneider. Rob Schneider, yeah. Sorry, Rob. Yeah, sorry. No, everyone's just going along with it, you know. <laughs> yeah, him and uh, Rob Schneider have some awkward social distancing banter. Yeah. With high fives that never touch. And... Um, but the, but the, I think this works. This whole film actually works because this supporting cast throw themselves at the absurdity of these roles. Yeah, really. yeah, absolutely. It's got a very cartoonish feel to it. The whole film, which I didn't realise when I watched it as you know as an adolescent, mm. uh, I just thought it was all super serious. But no, it's not. It's very <laughs> tongue in cheek mm. throughout. Mm. It is. Yeah, absolutely. But there's that, that <laughs> there's that uh, line by Rob Schneider where he's like. Um, he doesn't have many lines of blessing, but he's got. I think he's got one of the best lines in the movie where uh, Simon Phoenix is battering all those cops, and he's like, "What? What's all this? We're police officers. We're not trained to handle this kind of violence." <laughs> <laughs> he's in like a, a sub um, Cedric mode from uh, Home Alone. He's got the hair, he's hasn't he? Uh, he's got the slick back hair. Yeah, this is a year later though, but it feels like a. Yeah, he's literally yeah, walked that it. performance from that film into this one. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. McAllister. No, sorry, that's Tim <laughs> Curry. Uh, yeah, he. <laughs> we get um, the introduction to the three seashells. Yeah, you want to oh. talk about? Uh, so, talk guys, about I, I was going to put this forward to you. How do the seashells work? So, you're you've woken up in the <laughs> in the future. There's a really good line, apparently, that he's fully defrosted, so he can take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been sliced alone has been kitted out in his jodpers and his fascist uniform basically and he's tried to go and relieve it's a pretty badass you know, uh, outfit isn't it the new the new oh, cop yeah. outfit is pretty badass yeah yeah he looks sharp sorry James Curry. anyway so he's, <laughs> he's obviously got 30 years worth of crap back to <laughs> now been defrosted <laughs> and he goes to the gentleman's room and there is no toilet paper there just some seashells which obviously he doesn't know so this right so there's two questions here question number one seeing that there was no toilet paper just these seashells has Stallone actually dropped a deuce and then come squelched yes into yeah it? Because that's that's why he walks out like John Wayne, and he's just like he's just like his little cottony walk coming out coming out the toilet, and he's really uncomfortable because he's still got shot in his pants. This is a disgrace. <laughs> because, well, I hope that they've assigned him some underwear as well, because you can't be going commando in police issue jumpers. That is out of order. <laughs> 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> my, my second question is, how do the seashells work, guys? How do you work them? I remember seeing an illustration a few years ago about... What? Because this film, is out of all the things that happened in this film, the three seashells is something what has just become part of culture. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, yeah no, it's one of the most famous yeah, yeah. things from this film. Yeah. And uh and I remember seeing a, a diagram and it was the first seashell is to pinch out the poop. <laughs> so you use it you use it like a what they call maraca no not maraca like you know what the Spanish dancers have when <laughs> the little, <laughs> little cl- cl- yeah, one of those. But hang on, does that mean you use the first two? So, well, maybe well, well, I don't. Is it just half a shell? Is it? Yeah, okay. Let's do yeah. that. So the first two shells are there. And you use them as a clapper to pick out the. Uh, yeah. And then the last one is just to scrape out the remainder. <laughs> <laughs> Pinch it and pull. That's outrageous. <laughs> Another surely, great album title. There. Surely, surely, like scrape scraping with a seashell with a quite because they're quite sharp, aren't they? The yeah. old seashells, especially when you've got just the half of it. You could have caused a bit of damage there. (laughs) But would the seashells call more damage than all the credit fines that he gets for swearing at that machine having to wipe his arse and essentially tracing paper? (laughs) With a receipt, with a series of receipts. Yeah, CVS receipts. Have you you guys ever been to CVS in America? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... um, that you buy like I remember going in and bought like a pack of chewing gum or something, and the the receipt was about was taller than me. <laughs> it was about <laughs> six foot long receipt. You could have just gone to CVS and he would have been able to wipe his ass for like a month. <laughs> Do we have a definitive definitive answer on? I, I think I think Simon's covered it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I like I thought like you know like the tr- you know you, you use two to scrape and scrape with get it all out and then the last one is to calm you back down by holding it to your ear to hear the ocean <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's hilarious but then, no. uh, so, so you've got the three seashells and then it's the another sort of famous bit from the movie like how you're not allowed to swear and you get fined yes. whenever you swear and it's brilliant this talk about committing to a joke because Every single time someone swears yeah. in this futuristic setting, you'll hear in the background, eh, John Spahn, you have been fined $70. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 70 yeah. credits. <laughs> it's so good. Constantly throughout the whole film. Yeah. It's yeah, commitment. Commitment to And the, the thing film. is, it's, that is probably the only element that they don't get quite right about the future. We've got the Zoom meeting, and that and the seashells, obviously. Uh, the, the Zoom <laughs> meetings, we've got the... Um, no touching, social distancing, germophobia and all that. But the, the those receipts wouldn't be paper in the future. Be a paperless society. <laughs> Word. Yeah. This is true. You just get an email. Can't wipe your ass with an email. Exactly. <laughs> That's why you need the seashells. So I like the idea that John Spartan is fighting crime with a stinky ass all the way. <laughs> <laughs> So he's cleaned himself up, and now it's time to get on with some serious business. Yeah, you got to get on with things here. Yeah, there's the armory scene where Simon goes to the uh, the museum to get well, get a load of old fashioned guns, old fashioned as in like present day for us. But yeah. um, uh, and this is where yeah, there's the first face off between Spartan and um, Phoenix. Yeah, in the future. Yeah, 
in in a in a museum. And I think the set design. There's, you've you've been in about four or five locations now, and the the sets are really fucking good. Yeah, they are. Aren't they? They're just yeah. so like on you know that sort of vibe. What they're going this like really bland utopia. It just looks great, and yeah, yeah. it's not surprising now, James, where you said the director was a essentially an artist, and you're yeah. like, you can see all that because visually, yeah. this is pretty on point. I yeah, think. everything's it's... framed and shot, and the production design's brilliant, and the cinematography is lovely. What I found a little bit with this watching it, and I don't know if it's just because I've been watching Mad Max movies all this week, but I found the the action a little bit pedestrian. I thought the camera was locked off. A lot, I agree. Like, yeah. yeah. There wasn't yeah. any sort of, you know, we've been fortunate on this podcast to discuss a lot of great action directors. Mm. <laughs> Probably their lesser works, but even so, <laughs> and you know, like when you're looking like John Woo or John McTeen, and you know, there's so much the the action feels so much slicker than it does in this. It feels like it's not that it's bad; it's just sort of serviceable. It's just sort of one mm. static shot to another static shot, yeah. and yeah. there's no. I, I can't remember any sort of memorable camera moves or anything like that during the action set pieces. No, I'd agree with you there, James, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I, just I, I mean, sort of, I, I, it, playing off the two of them being brilliant adversaries, which they are. But then I was just like, I was just wanting a bit more from the from the face-offs, really, in terms of the action. Yeah, I think there might be two reasons for this actually, because um, I read that. Snipes' karate kicks because he's a he's a black belt. Yeah, um, were too quick, and they just it for didn't look, didn't work for the camera. Get a better camera. So man, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They asked him to slow it down. That's slow it ridiculous. down. No. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Because can you imagine like saying to Keanu or Morpheus in that brilliant dojo scene in Matrix, oh, just yeah, slow yeah. it down. Yeah. Can you make it look um, crap, please? <laughs> yeah. And the other one is that I believe it was a stylistic choice to make the combat look cartoonish. Yeah. Now yeah. they didn't really manage to do that. They just like it didn't have the because I'd love I'd love it to have been really punchy. That yeah. There was one bit where I did feel it was really good, um, and that was uh, what's coming up the freeway chase. Yeah, that, that's what I've got down as well. Actually, yeah, yeah, it, that worked great there. Yeah, but like this little scrap here, and then you know, um, obviously. Phoenix gets away because you can't kill him after 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he's away and he sees Cocteau. And Cocteau is the mastermind of this entire utopia, played by Nigel Hawthorne. It is, yeah. yeah. He's a massive virgin in a big kimono, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's as big as a vir- big as virgin as the fellow next to him. <laughs> well, according to the novelization, the um his servant Bob is actually a eunuch. He reminded me a lot of the guy from uh, Game of Thrones, what varies from Game Varys, of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, proto Varys. Yeah, very similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a shocking haircut. Yeah, uh, terrible yeah, dude. Yeah. But and no balls. What an absolute appalling life he's got. And he's got to follow this half like cocktail around as well. He's created this fascist utopia where no one can have any fun anymore. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it becomes very clear at this point that uh, Phoenix yeah. is actually doing the bidding of Cocteau, isn't it? Because yeah. what we've not, what has already been established is there's this sort of underground group, isn't it, who won't live by the rules of the utopia, and they're known as the Scraps, and they're led by stand-up comedian Dennis Leary. Um <laughs> <laughs> As one of the least charismatic leaders I've ever seen in anything ever. Um, was, was this at the, was this at the height of his Holston Pills adverts days? Because I'm think not that's sure what he was most famous for in this country. <laughs> being on Holston Pills adverts. <laughs> and anyway, he 
it isn't clear yet, but basically, uh, Cocteau's got a, a a plan for Simon Phoenix, and that is what it becomes clear that he's potentially had a hand in upskilling him for his release from cyber prison. Yes, mm. so he cryo gave prison. What... Sorry, not cyber prison. <laughs> While you're useless. <laughs> <laughs> While you're on ice, in inverted commas, yeah. um, you get all sorts of stuff downloaded or uploaded. Sorry, mm-hmm. to your your brain that will help with your rehabilitation in spartan's case it was knitting mm. uh, so while spartan got knitting <laughs> <Which is> brilliant <laughs> yeah phoenix got loads of useful stuff like killing people yeah <laughs> in the best ways and yeah we obviously we know that there's duplicity involved from cocteau cocteau then praises spartan for saving his life and invites him to dinner at the local taco bell yeah uh, <laughs> and they get properly kimonoed up I- for that one I, I really love this bit because they've just had this guy released from uh, cryo prison who's causing an absolute riot in the city, just murdering everyone he meets. But the cops, who uh, the only cop who can really solve the problem, just takes a night off and goes yeah. to dinner. <laughs> yeah. Just, just lets, lets just Phoenix. Just, he'll, be, he'll be there for an evening. Let him, we'll let him go about for it. We can just, you know, we just have a night off. Go, go to the local Taco Bell. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Catch the guy first. <laughs> Which is this is a really nice wrinkle actually. So apparently there was the franchise wars of between all yeah. the restaurants in in this area, whether it was the whole country or not, it's unclear. Uh, but Taco <laughs> Bell won the won the franchise wars and now every restaurant in the whole of this utopia is Taco Bell, which is it's just such a nice little wrinkle. That it, it is funny. Was it when um, it was Pizza Hut over here, wasn't it? Is Taco Bell on this ver- on this version that on I've the watched? on the on the streamer? But my original because I remember it as Pizza Hut, and then I was ah. watching this rewatch, and I was like, "Oh, it's Taco yeah. Bell." I thought it was Pizza ah. Hut. Apparently, it cost loads to redub and reanimate in logos or logos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as I'm aware, there's not many Taco Bells at all. We've only really had it over here in the last 10 years, haven't we? Yeah, and in really disparate locations as well. Yeah, it's in, there's one in Essex, I think. There's That's co- the only there's, one there's I know There's two of. in Manchester. There's two in oh, Manchester. There's two now. Yeah, yeah, there's one in the Arndale and there's one on uh, Deansgate. Is there? Oh, it's I think so. There's one, there's one in Newcastle as well. Flipping out. That's a good one. I don't rate uh, it, to be honest. I don't rate Taco Bell. No, that's enough, James. <laughs> All the disparate movie opinions, a disagreement over Taco Bell is the big one. Go to a Mexican <laughs> restaurant if you want a good taco. <laughs> is that why they went with Taco Bell? Because it was like it's the crap, crappiest yeah. one. They yeah. Like yeah. It's just, it'd be just funny that the crappiest one. <laughs> I love the fact that they managed to convince them that this is good advertising, this is good product placement. This will be funny because you yeah. lot of the shitish, you see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is why I read about it. Yeah, they said that it's because they they've got you know the cheapest production. Therefore, they were able to produce more. Therefore, won the franchise wars. Absolutely, yeah. And now they've got like gourmet four-star Michelin star restaurants. Which, uh, yeah, as if you managed to convince Taco Bell to lend their logo and name to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll win because you're the worst. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, anyway, the scraps come up from underneath the sewer, from out the sewers, don't they, to raid the Taco Bell truck because they're all starving to death under underneath and Spartan. Sets to them, gives them a duffing, but then he understands that they're actually just uh, trying to get something to eat, and he feels bad for duffing them up, even though violence, he he does enjoy a bit of violence. And Sandra Bullock is all in on John Spartan at this stage, isn't she? And can we talk about Sandra? She's so good in this film, I think. She's amazing. She really works. I think she's the reason that Spartan works, the reason the whole conceit works. 
really. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think she makes Stallone look good as well in terms of his jokes, and uh, yeah, they do really bounce off each other. The pair of them, like they do, yeah. Her lines where she's like getting all, all bits wrong, where she's oh, like, yeah. "Oh, he finally matched his meat." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> match his match. He really licked his ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all these nineties payoff lines, you just get them wrong. It's yeah, so good. but that's—I mean—that's showing as well that Stallone's happy to send himself up as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's probably why some of them. I think not enough credit was given to some of these action stars back in the 90s and that yeah. Crick sort of set a stall out that these guys were just meat-headed, just in there for the adrenaline and the testosterone and that they didn't understand how to send themselves up or the joke that mm. they could play on their own personas. Yeah. When I, th- I think they're quite... I think the top guys, at least, are very much in on the joke and yeah. they understand it. And I think it's obvious from watching this one that Stallone is very much enjoying sending up the macho persona. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he talks it down, doesn't he? You know, like, I'm just a cop who does my job and all this kind of stuff, like, and, and blows things up. You know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, and then um, he's been given an apartment. He has. And it's just along the hall from Sandra's. Yes. Oh, sauciness. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> and she very matter-of-factly asks him if she um, if he would like to engage in some, uh, in some lovely sex that evening. <laughs> It's, yeah, there's no other way to put it. Yeah, know? but it's it's not the um, it's not the gratuitous '90s raunchiness we'd come to expect from this sort of movie, is it? No, it's, it's not the not specialist with Sharon Stone for certain. <laughs> no, and it's definitely not the Red Shoe Diaries bit from uh, Double Impact either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's like these helmets that yeah, like wirelessly. Because there's a two-metre safe distance, isn't there, as well, between the <laughs> participants? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's social distancing going on here, yeah. Yeah, and they sit opposite each other. Um, she gives him a demeaning towel, which yeah. is demeaning. Um, and, um, which is hilarious, yeah. now that you think about it. Like, what the towel No, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> so, so anyway, they put the headsets on, and they, they have what is uh, bunny ears sex in this modern society. And it's just all virtual, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it's not. Re- it's no real contact. Sly's not digging it. He wants to do boning the wild mamba or the hunker chunker. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got another question for you guys. Hunker chunker. <laughs> he, he's not really into the whole virtual uh, sex oh. thing. Um, and he, and you know, he's he's a bit upset. He wants to he wants to do the re- he wants the real McCoy. But and here's the question: Is this the second pair of rented trousers that, <laughs> that, that Stallone has ruined today? <laughs> All signs point to yes, James. <laughs> Are you imagine the next day, Schneider and 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 oh. you know and Bullock like you know. You know, it's great to have him back, but my word, does he get through pants? Kid Mars at the back, spooed. I didn't get the impression. You know, but there was terminus to what had happened. I don't know. I think he was very overwhelmed and maybe just he had an accident, you know. <laughs> it can happen to the rest of us. He goes back to his room, and I don't understand why the video phone suddenly goes off, 
and there's a nude woman there. I don't because understand. it's the 90s, Robin. It's an action film. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, that's exactly right. It felt like it was just like, oh, heck, we've not got anywhere to put well, some nudity in. What, <laughs> what can we do? This film yeah. was produced by Joel Silver. He's like, get some titties in there. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. Basically, that's it. It's like, where can we fit them? Just here, randomly. There, anywhere. <laughs> For yeah. no reason. Anywhere. For anywhere. no reason whatsoever. That's a disgrace. Oh. Uh, they, they then, uh, the next morning, they, they meet up again. He's knitted her a cardigan or a jumper or something. And overnight, then, which is very impressive. Overnight, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and then they go to the um, the sewers. Yeah. They go down into the sewers to go and find the wasteland and the wasteland scraps. Yep. One of whom is... Jack Black. Yes. 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 Yeah. I thought Second it was Jack Black. in an extremely random side yeah. role. <laughs> yeah. He's in like two shots, isn't he? Yeah. yeah good man. <laughs> two years before... Uh... Was this before or after Never Ending Story Part 3? Oh, I don't know about that, but I meant... Uh, I was thinking Waterworld, actually. Oh, yeah, because it, it, that was the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course it was. Um, and uh, it's... I mean, Simon Phoenix has thawed out a load of his bad guys. Including Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah. Excellent. Bro. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. Well, was, this is where like... we get into a little bit of controversy with this film as we move into the final s- stages. So we find out that um, Cocteau has defrosted Snipes, uh, Simon Phoenix, to take out the leader of the scraps, which is Dennis Leary. And he says, I need some reinforcements in order to do this because obviously he's got a little sinister plan in the back of his mind. He's been programmed so that he can't kill, can't kill Cocteau. Yeah. But the guys, the cronies that he gets thawed out, they won't have that same programming. And his whole thing is he's going to take over this utopia now that he's got all these extra skills. So he thaws out like five or six of his cronies, including Jesse the Body Ventura. And they head down into the sewers to kill Dennis Leary's character, who is rebelling against this new utopian way of life. He just wants choice, essentially. That's the. That's Gives a good speech, doesn't he? Crux same, same well, way. he does a bit of he does five minutes of stand up, basically, doesn't he? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it's, uh, it Stallone chins a rat burger, which yeah. I enjoyed very yeah. much. Which is very good. Yeah. I really like the comedy in that scene, actually. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it meets band, isn't it? On the on the um, above above the above the sewers, you're not allowed oh, to it? meet. Yeah, anything so that's not healthy, the... you're not allowed. So burgers are off the off the menu, yeah. but. Oh. He has a rat burger while he's down, while he's uh, underground. He loves I, it. Yeah, I love the fact that he found out he's a rat burger and carried on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Wesley gives a, a great big speech to his fellows all around a pool table. And it seems like they just literally go into the next room of the wasteland and there is lovely, well, John Spartan and Dennis Leary post uh, stand-up. Yeah, absolutely. And they've joined forces now. So it's basically Leary is at Spartan and his mob against Phoenix and his firm, basically. There's a big old shootout, subterranean shootout, and then a really good action sequence on the highway, isn't there, where this car chase, which yeah. is the best action, actual action sequence in the in the film. I think you're right. I think this is the best, the, yeah, pound for pound, this is superb. Where um, Huxley, who is Sandra Bullock's character, and John Spartan are chasing after Simon Phoenix. He's in a futuristic car there in the 90s. Well, not in the 90s, in a throwback gas guzzler from back of the day. Yeah. And they're after him, and then it's at this point as well when they're fighting, which could have easily been missed, is that you find out that Phoenix had already killed yeah. all the hostages 
who were in the building at the yes, start of the yes. film. So Spartan didn't actually cause the death of anyone. They were already wrong, dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I suppose is supposed to give him some comfort. <laughs> but he, just, he wasn't able to save them. <laughs> as, as, a, as a bit of an extra thing to how much of a knob Simon Phoenix is, what a great villain. Like, yeah. He's great, yeah, yeah. Really great He's proper villain. remorseless, isn't he? Oh, yeah. 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 He's a proper little shit and yeah. a really good villain as a result. Like, really good villain as a result. Absolutely. And then, um, yeah, so uh, Spartan, they end up getting separated, don't they? And Spartan ends up in the car as it crashes into police headquarters and it's all styrofoamed up. There's no uh, airbags. It's styrofoam instead. And he, yeah, it's good. he gets out of that and then we cut to Simon Phoenix and his crew and there with Cocteau. He's not happy with what with with what Phoenix has uh, delivered, so he just has one. Phoenix has one of his goons shoot him, and then they throw him on the fire. Basically, <laughs> like Cocteau's whole mo- motivation was these ragamuffins who live underneath the city of destroy are messing up my utopia. <laughs> That's it. So he he defaults and upskills one of the most dangerous criminals in American <laughs> history. Right. It's it's a it's a stupid idea. Didn't think that one through, did he? <laughs> and him and his kimono go up like nobody's business, and <laughs> yeah, burn up really fast as well. <laughs> and then uh, Phoenix decides to take assistant Bob down to the cryo um, the cryo prison and release all of the most dangerous people who are still left in there because he's taking over this whole city. Yes, and. Uh, Spartan Huxley have to stop him. Basically, apparently, like ownership of this city or ambassadorship of this city is very easy to change hands. It's just you, like, you, throw, right now. you throw whoever's on the fire and it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. your go now. Like Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And uh, I didn't like this. Huxley proves herself yes. big time in a big old scrap, mm-hmm. and she can handle herself. Yeah, and then he promptly knocks her out. For the entire finale, for her own good, in quotation marks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it'd never fly nowadays. You couldn't. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. But like, I understand why. What everyone wants to see is Snipes feast alone. Yeah, doing the do, going toe to toe. Yeah, and I understand that in the confined atmosphere of where they decide to do this standoff, which is the cryo prison. Yeah, a third dynamic in that might in there might have been like uh, the case of. Too many ingredients or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it really sidelines for no re- no reason. No, exactly. And it, yeah, it just smacks of right. The men are going to take care of this now, and it, it, yeah, it's very yeah, yeah. again. It's a very. It's a thing that ages the film poorly. Give her a, just yeah. another adversary to fight. Like let her fight Jesse the Body Ventura, who we never see die. Basically, <laughs> desperately love to see that. Uh, but I love the fight though. That oh they yeah, have. yeah. It was a good fight. Yeah. Well. You know shit's about to go down because Stallone puts on his beret, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. Beret. <laughs> He's obviously watched, you know, After yeah. Justice three years earlier. <laughs> He's just watched some avant-garde French cinema and now he's ready to kick yeah. some ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have this amazing fight surrounded by naked bums in cryo yeah, stasis. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lovely glutes on display everywhere. And a big grabber machine yeah, crane yeah. going around. And we don't we we can't tell if Stallone soils his pants during this final battle, but he does win the day. <laughs> so we go back to that little, like the little uh, chemical thing, what sorts out, what freezes them in the first yeah, place, yeah. isn't it? So he get he gets that little ball of whatever it is, and manages to freeze Simon Phoenix whilst he's just out in the open. 
and then um, proceeds to boot his head off. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good death him, for a villain. He, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great death for a villain. Absolutely. You know, and now I'm thinking about it at this point. You know, they wanted Van Damme to be the villain. Imagine Van Damme's head being booted oh. off and oh. smashing on the floor in loads of pieces. Gorgeous bust. It'd be like something out of the National Football Museum, wouldn't it? <laughs> imagine if imagine if Van Damme got his way and he was John Spartan. I, I mean, I would watch uh, well, that. He, I, 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 I'd was... like to see that parallel universe yeah. where he plays John Spartan. Yeah, so Seagal would have got his head booted off after doing some crazy. Yeah, yeah, Seagal's Yeah. Well, no, the fight would have lasted a couple of seconds. Van Damme would have just kicked him in the bollocks and that not would have been it. <laughs> like, can you do one of your special kicks? <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, yeah, and his head, yeah, the head is all smashed up all over the place. Um, they go outside. Um, the ambassadorship changes hands again uh, to Dennis Leary. Suddenly he's in charge. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he macks on Sandy B and, and everyone goes home. Yeah. Sandra comes out, awful line like, I know you did that for my own good. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. Though. She'd never stand for that. I mean, she was an up and coming actress, wasn't she, at the time? She's just yeah, about to pop. Like, Speed comes out next the year after, yeah. But they don't serve her character well, well at all because she's been really good throughout the film. Like, yeah, yeah. But she didn't have any, like, well, there was no arc. There was no moment of, no. well, either fall from grace or redemption. There was nothing really. It's just, uh, you know, aside from the fact she was brilliant, she's essentially nothing more than Comet Relief. Exactly. Another layer yeah, yeah. of Comet Relief. And you do wonder, don't you, is this why Laurie Petty, who, you know, obviously not as big a star as Sandra Bullock these days, but had a lot of juice back in the 90s. She'd been in Point Break and uh, and what have you the year before. Did she just go, I'm not doing this? Like, it's like... Yeah. I've got no... You've taken all the agency away from my character, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Service this plot. And then, obviously, Sandra Bullock is not as well known at the time, takes the part and does a great job, but then isn't served very well by the ending. But it advances her career massively, and I don't think anyone could argue with that, rightly or wrongly. And and thus rolls the credits. Um, fellas, can I get your favourite bits, please? Oh, I mean, the satire throughout is really, really good. I do like the, um, the whole subplot of Spartan's been... Um, Indoctrinated with uh, with seamstress abilities while he's been in, in cryo sleep, and after he crashes the car into the police station, uh, she goes, "Oh, look at you! You're all bedraggled." And he's like, "Oh, don't worry, I can fix it later. All I need is a needle and thread." <laughs> Which I really don't like. But one, uh, one bit I did want to shout out is when they're talking, when they're discussing um, Spartan and his reputation before they decide to unthor him. Is there's a oh bit of God. like camera pussy and like news pussy footage. from back in the day and uh, this reporter comes up to him and goes how can you justify destroying a seven million dollar mini mall to rescue a girl whose ransom was only twenty five thousand dollars and the little girl goes fuck you lady and then he goes <laughs> and he's got a gorgeous rambo mullet hasn't he, he? has yeah oh yeah look, he's so just back from nam yeah <laughs> outstanding oh that is so good what about you say uh, I, there's there's so much with that that bit James just said was one of my ones. Um, but another one was um, I love that when the Wesley Snipes beats up all the cops and that exchange before it is just brilliant. I think it's so funny. Yeah, that's great. But another bit of dialogue which I just thought was hilarious. And again, we said it before, like how Stallone and Sandra Bullock really play off each other. 
was they're on the way to Taco Bell and they're talking about, they happen to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. And how he became the president. <laughs> and he's like, Stallone's like, what? He became president? Oh, what? And he's like, absolutely <laughs> gutted by Schwarzenegger. Was Is he talking about the, the Schwarzenegger library, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just, it's, I, I, yeah, that's excellent. Because uh, I, I, I just love that whole, the, the, the sort of, which is obviously friendly rivalry between the two of them back yes. in the day. Because they're obviously friends. Uh, but I, I just love how it, it um, translates into films. Like, you've got this scene from this, and then you've got um, Last Action Hero, where Stallone played Term- yes, the Terminator just in, about that, to in say, that reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, do, I just love that. I think that's a, a really good sort of snapshot of the 90s. Yeah. It's really funny. Uh, the, the big hero, well, the big stars um, making fun of each other in a way, isn't it? And Absolutely. Like, yeah. Nodding their, you know, acknowledging the rivalry and the fact that the whole world, essentially, the whole movie and public's in on that rivalry as well, aren't they? It's yeah, like, it's, it's an in-joke really that everyone can enjoy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I see so many good bits, but the, um, yeah, I do love the grandma upgrade that um Stallone gets um but i really like um you've mentioned it side the commitment to the joke you know whenever there's a a swear word an f-bomb goes off somewhere and you, and like even like later in the film like you can hear it miles away like oh. <laughs> miles and miles away i just love the commitment that it's it's constant all the time um <laughs> You know, and even for like really, you know, like silly things, like she says, God damn, at one point, she's like, eh. you know, it's, I just love that. But it, like you say, it wouldn't work if you didn't do it all the way yeah, through. So even at the end, the bit, fight, yeah. it's still going on. Yeah, it's still it's going so on at the cool. end. It's fantastic. And oh. so for your reconsideration, Sai, as is per our custom, you will go last. James. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a fun, tongue-in-cheek piece of sci-fi action nonsense, which made for weirdly prescient viewing during these strange times. Uh, Stallone, Snipes and Bullock are all fully bought into the cartoonish tone of the film and deliver winning performances as a result. The action is a little pedestrian, but the satire is bang on for the most part, and it's a lot funnier than I remember it being. Uh, The result is a throwaway but fun piece of popcorn entertainment that's perfect for Friday night. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Total agreement for myself, for your reconsideration. Absolutely, yes. I'm going to start with a minor quibble, which I think the story is quite basic once you get past the brilliance of the high concept pitch because they don't advance it anymore. Yeah, yeah. You've got the two leads thawed out and the plans don't really go anywhere or anything like that. Yeah. But that said, the high concept nature of it, that original pitch just services the entire two hours really so where it doesn't grab you in in sort of like a constantly evolving story what does grab you is um breathtaking set pieces really leads having a high old time a genuine attempt to do something different with the concept of the future and it's just loads and loads of fun yes so yeah absolutely Go for it. Yeah, it is fun. I think that's the maybe the thing what was missed when it was first released, the the fun element of it. I think yeah. it was getting, because it was Stallone and because it was uh, 90s and the action cinema is, is huge at that point. Um, they're watching it, potentially watching it from that point of view and not from what it actually is, which is, is a comedy more than anything. Did they not realise it was a comedy? <laughs> I don't think they did. <laughs> well... I mean, it's certainly a question. I like. I didn't really think that the the satire was say it was good, but not as on point as in something like RoboCop or yeah, yeah, um, 
yeah yeah um like you said james, like a standout be, be, in the genre though yeah. isn't it that one? um before james um you know for hove and light you know it's it, it's got this um satire going on which is which is good but like not quite as memorable as robocop and you've got this sort of false utopia which is great but not as good as total recall which those yeah. two films are sort of more memorable and more well thought of um at the time and now probably as well um but I definitely think it's got more to it than was credited on release. You look at the reviews and it, it does genuinely look like they completely missed the, the comedy <laughs> yeah. tongue-in-cheek nature of it. And yeah. and if you go in and you let all the daftness of it all just um, envelope you, like, you're just in for a right treat. I think it's so funny. Stallone's rarely looked better. He's, he's oh, he's so naked. Fair. He's so hench. Even if he doesn't have to change pants every scene. <laughs> yeah. And nor has he had as much fun as he does as the demolition man John Spartan. And same goes for Wesley Snipes, who, you know, despite that really questionable bit of racism, um, he's just having the time of his life, as is Sandra Bullock, as is Benjamin Bratt. Um, they're all just completely they all completely lean into it. And it makes for a really good fun movie, I think. So yeah. I love it. It's completely bonkers. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, this could be one of those things that I reckon those four lead actors you just mentioned, Si, would probably all <laughs> reprise. Yeah. It's a I shame they killed Wesley Snipes, really, because... Yeah. Well, it's, it's a movie of this quality. You can bring it They'll back. find a way you, you, to bring him back. Yeah, you, you, you just look cryo. He's doing A or something yeah, when they put him into cryo. Yeah. Yeah. Even if Stallone knits his head back, you know... <laughs> Yeah, you've got you've got a you've got a villain as good as that. It's a shame to just uh, limit him to one movie. If he was a Bond villain, he would have got away in a rocket, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Blinking neck. If Blinking they do neck. do a sequel, I think Sandra Bullock might be a bit more expensive than she was back. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know they'll all have Oscar to you know, re-engage Oscar winner, their, Sandra you know, Bullock. <laughs> priorities. I think she might have notes this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. A little bit more to do than uh, the first time around. Brilliant. That is a clean sweep. You should go out and check out Demolition Man. Super. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, we're back with, I think it's my pick next time, isn't it? it is. uh, Ooh, what have we got watching, for us, Rob? Rob, Rob we have got... <laughs> <laughs> we have got... Batman Forever. Wow. Uh, incidentally, the same costume designer as on the oh! and the same see? composer. Oh, you see <laughs> what a segue! What a gorgeous segue into. Yes, thank you very much, everyone. Please give us five stars on your subscription service of choice. Tune in next time for Batman Forever, and send us emails at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're still over on Twitter at reconsiderpod. No, we're not. FYR pod, aren't we? Yeah. FYR film pod. FYR film pod. Yeah. What an idiot. Um, <laughs> go there instead of the one I said before. Um, and take it easy. Please enjoy those three seashells while you can. While you can, are they going to be extinct? What an awful outro. <laughs> <laughs> A load of absolute hornswoggle. I'm just devastated I never got to say what seems to be your boggle. <laughs> yeah. What seems to be your boggle. Be well. Yeah, be well. Yeah. <laughs>